there, my name is Dr. Kim Ernest, and this is the How to Be Happy Hour. I am a licensed psychologist, licensed professional counselor, and the executive vice president of Pennsylvania Counseling Services. And today, we're going to be talking about New Year's resolutions. I'm Jeremy Breton. Um, I'm a real estate agent. I have 12 years of experience working in law enforcement as a probation and parole officer, um, and I'm a local in Lebanon. I'm Coral Lively. I'm a family-based mental health professional with a behavior license special and working on my LPC. I'm Tim Nicholas. I'm a social worker and part of the leadership team at PCS. I'm Corey Burton. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I own Belief in Me Counseling in Harrisburg. And you're a PCS alum for yes. once upon a time. Yes. Upon a so is Coral. Yeah, these yeah. So is Coral. She's an alum and a couple times. Yeah, yeah just, just, just a few. Just we'll a few. We'll always take you back. Just yeah. don't leave again. I won't, I promise. Make that a resolution. Yeah, that's true. That is. That's a great place hey, to start, you know. Tim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am in the minority here around this table, I'm getting the sense, in our like pre-prep area, in that I'm not a big New Year's resolution fan. So... I guess my goal here today is to challenge you all to make me a believer in the process of a New Year's resolution. And I see the value in in prepping for today's pod. Um, There are some benefits for sure throughout the literature. So one of them is uh, increased motivation. So sometimes just the mere fact that you're – you have a resolution. It can inspire motivation and a sense of purpose. Uh, some people, it can boost empowerment, so it boosts their self-esteem and their perception of control over one's own life. Um, it sometimes can increase a focus on self-care, depending on what the resolution is, um, and can have enhanced resiliency um, by encouraging perseverance and sort of bouncing back from setbacks. However, and all that didn't make you a believer, Kim. None of that made me a believer because this is what happens next, Tim. Um, Unrealistic expectations that people have a tendency to set their New Year's resolutions as overly ambitious and unrealistic goals, leading to disappointment and self criticism, Um, pressure and stress. It's uh, setting a time frame can create stress and anxiety. All or nothing mindset, which is the thing that stands out to me probably the most, that it's like, it's hard. if I don't hit the mark fully, then eh, I might as well just give up and throw it to the wind. Um, and overlooking the underlying issues, um, that you focus on the resolutions to distract from the work that might be a little bit more useful. So I don't know, y'all, you, you guys seem like believe, uh, believers in the resolution process. How'd you get there? I'm actually not. <gasps> I know. I'm not alone. Um, How I, did you get screened in? Right? I, I'm a goal setter, but I'm not okay. necessarily a New Year's resolution person. Okay. So you believe in setting the goal, but it doesn't have to be based on the calendar year. Yes. Nice. Kim, you know me a little I better know. than most I here. Know, I, know I, I love resolutions. I, you know, I'm those that know me in the office, I mean, I love Christmas from a spiritual, personal perspective. But if you ask me what my favorite holiday is, it is New Year's Day. Just because I love New Year's resolutions. I love the newness. I love the fresh start, kind of the redemption. And all the things you talked about, they are they are real things. So I don't you know, disavow those things, but just, just the opportunity to start over and fresh start and set goals excites me. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I like it with an asterisk. (laughs) I get all the pressure. Um, I like that it's a starting point. Um, You have a group of people doing something new all at once, maybe not the same thing, Um, but I'm more of a mindset of 
is it a lifelong change and that lifelong journey to get to wherever you want to get? So can you make it a habit? Correct. Can you take yeah. this resolution and integrate it into your regular life to make right. it more of a lifestyle change right. versus a... Yep. Perfect example of that is when I, I'm part of a men's group at the YMCA, and it runs throughout the year. And every January, without fail, like the parking lot is full. So like, you have to park way off. February, we're good. But that January, it is, yeah. it is far away parking. To your point, like people start and then just, just stop right away. I like it as a checkpoint. I think for me, I, my, my New Year's resolution is almost always exercise-related. Mm. And I've found the most success starting in November. But that January 1st is important because I know when I start, I am the person who, like, gets on a treadmill and I'm sprinting, like, after this run, I should be in shape. So <laughs> This is going to do it. Yeah, this is, this is the run. Uh-huh. And if I do that in November, then I feel like, oh, I can get on a treadmill and I can walk. I don't have to run because, you know, it's not January 1st. But by the time January 1st comes, the pressure of, like, summer's coming around, what am I doing this for? And then Super Bowl is all <laughs> all things, you know, cheese and meat related. So yeah. then there's like these very small things for me that can like knock me off of my square. Um, and that's what I try to balance when I when I make New Year's resolutions. But I like to already start. So the pressure is is limited. I love the idea of a checkpoint mm-hmm. um, for new, And so I would say that while I don't tend to subscribe to resolutions, like I pick really small scale, really easily achievable resolutions. So I can check that box and then be like, did it, nailed it. Let's move on to the, like organizing my sock drawer was mm-hmm. one. Um, this year, I think my resolution is going to be changing my chicken waterers from my summer waterers to the winter waterers because it's been. I have no idea what any of that means. Yeah, yeah well, you know, it, it it'll sounds, take about sounds, an hour. It's important to use. It'll so, take yeah. about an okay. hour and it'll feel real good to have it done. Um, <laughs> But I didn't I, have that one on my list, sorry. No. Tam, come over. You can do chicken chores. Chickens are amazing. It'll be done. Yeah. Yeah. They're, just, uh, they're just heated waterers. They're just heated waterers. All right, you got it. Them out. But, but the summer ones have more capacity. Anyway, I won't bore you with the details. Um, but I love the checkpoint concept. Um, and I've often used New Year's and January specifically, like the whole month, mm-hmm. to go through my schedule, my day-to-day life, Notice where I'm spending my behavior, notice where I'm spending my time, and critically evaluating whether or not it's truly serving me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know, especially in the holidays, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of food, there's a lot of extra activities, extra family, extra responsibilities this time of year. And to reevaluate everything and check in and say, is this consistent with what's important to me, yes or no? Um, Or is this consistent um, to that degree? Like I find myself doing a lot of mindless Instagram scrolling this time of year because it's 1030 and I'm tapped out. (laughs) And so I want to just like laugh at these people singing silly songs or like whatever they're doing. Um, And then recognizing like that got too far outside of its box and I need to scale that back. So usually this is the time of year I quit all social media. I do this. I do that. And that's helpful. But um, it's funny. It's more like, what do I give up versus what do I add this yeah. time of year? Well, I think that's good because wh- whenever there's an action, there's always an, a, a reaction or another action, you know? So if you're checking, so I think that p- what you said plays along with what I like about it. Cause you're checking your why, Yeah. why am I doing these things in my life? Is it working? 
for my overall goal. And I think we live in a society now, like you just spend pretty much two months eating and like most of our most of the goals are and only weight sugar. loss, mm. yeah. And so it is, is a that, good is that bad or not? <laughs> it is a good checkpoint, um, but I think if 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 it's if it's just surface surface level stuff and it's not really looking is is my life on track to meet meet my overall goal? It's okay to eat, mm-hmm. it's okay to have splurge and have sugar, but overall that needs to be checked once in a while. So. Your lifestyle. Your why, yeah, Yeah. your why. Yeah, I think for me, resolutions connect to personally like an area of focus. Like I, no surprise to those that know me, definitely ADHD. So I love ideas. I love new things that all or nothing is part of who I am and both in my creativity and also some of the areas I struggle with. So um, just putting, putting them down in writing and not surprising, I have like probably usually 10, 15, 20 resolutions and before I used to have, okay, if I didn't if I didn't hit a resolution, I'd really be hard on myself. And I've truly tried to grow in that area. Like these are, there's some that are more aspirational that yeah, if I can get to, and then there's some that, no, I definitely want to check them off. And you know, at the end of the year, I kind of review them and say, oh, this, this was good. I was able to hit this one, hit this one. This one I wasn't able to hit, where before I would kind of beat myself up over it. I'm like, okay, no, I guess it wasn't, you know, as you were saying, didn't really connect to why I really wanted to do it. But it just helps me to kind of have a focus, like life goes by so quickly. There is so much that happens in our lives. So at least for me, it allows me to, it's a reference point that I try to look at it monthly and like, okay, doing okay in this area. Like, no, what was I thinking? That that shouldn't have been a goal, but it just helps helps for me personally to focus. And I know I have tried to be not a new New Year's resolution shamer. Everyone has to do resolutions. How can, how can you not like that? I mean, that, that was me. I've tried to become less less of that, but I get excited about things, but trying to keep more of that for myself and understanding some people are way more structured than I. Maybe most people are way more structured, so they don't need a point in time to do that. That's kind of how they live their lives. But for me, I found that it's just a good foundational structure, structure point. How do we use them like either in like our leadership role in our Jeremy, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I knew like you're a leader within your family. You've mm-hmm. got a number of kiddos that look up to you and sort of responsibilities there. And I know each of you um, lead uh, your own therapeutic caseload. You lead a therapy team. And so how do you, how do we use this concept of the new year's resolution effectively either in our clinical treatment planning or in our leadership at home or in the office to support those that look to us um, in using the concept of the resolution effectively. So like, so when you're making a resolution, right, you're making a decision to do something and whatever that decision is could be positive or negative. So as a family, you know, as a father, I want to be able to make a decision that could, can benefit the family but then also set potentially set up my kids to be better in life too. So obviously I'm not going to purposely make a decision that, you know, affects them negatively. So, you know, I would love to see my kids have kids and I'm, I'm very big into fitness. Um, I, you know, I love, you know, apple pie, but like, I'm not going to live that, you know, eat that every day because I, my long term, it will affect my long term. <clears throat> it will affect my long term goal at um at the end of the day so 
So I should take apple eating apple pie off my resolution list. No, don't take it off. Plus, if you're a competitor with it, you get money for it. Oh, okay. There you go. You know what I I mean? That's so. Just change your job to be consistent with your lifestyle. You'll make millions. (laughs) Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut. There you go. One of the best athletes out there. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like in our profession too, no matter if it's a leadership role, being a therapist, having your own private practice, I think just knowing that we are not perfect. Mm. And because I know with treatment plans, they happen so frequently. And you get to that point where we're going at it. All right, how are we doing, family? Well, there's no change. We're just failing. This isn't working. So I think kind of putting that mindset to, because we do that with our own resolutions. Mm. We do it for two weeks. It's going great. Well, I don't feel like doing it today. It's snowing outside or the weather's a little too cold. I don't feel like walking out in gym shorts. So we just give up. So I think bringing that mindset of the way we handle ourselves with resolutions, bringing it into the way we work with our profession and knowing that there are going to be times to fail, but that's also motivation to get back up and do it. Mm. When you fail, you learn, yeah. you know, mm. when you fail, you learn. Okay. Okay. And you get up and you try to do it again. And so having that perspective of, okay, I potentially will fail at this goal and I just don't throw everything out the window. I get, you got to keep going, and then hopefully you don't make the same mistake. So, I think professionally for me, I I kind of follow the same thing we talked about at the beginning. You know, New Year's resolutions for my clients it starts in November, um, and it's because the holidays come around, and it's very vulnerable for a lot of people. Um, family blowups happen around the holiday, and. <laughs> being able to start that with clients and starting my career in drug and alcohol, January was also when a lot of people decided to get treatment. Mm. So that is a time where it's an influx of people that were like, I, I'm coming off my last ride and I'm coming here to see what, what I can do to change my life. And, and they want that quick turnaround. Um, and instant gratification becomes a huge factor in whether or not goals are realistic Um, because I need to know right away that this is going to work or this is going to be okay. And a lot of clients want that reassurance from us, um, and we can't give that. So it's like, how am I, how can I get you on board, but also let you know things might go wrong. Something might happen. Um, Insurance plans, you know, this is getting into the boring stuff, but people that have have deductibles and for six months, they might have had a $10 copay Mm -hmm. and then they come in and they're paying over $100 or they're paying close to $100. And how and me personally, I know I know how I grew up. Counseling was not an option if I ever would have had to pay for it. But Mm -hmm. I have a very soft spot for when people can't pay for counseling. I'm like, what else can we do? Because that's that's always been my hangup. I do I never want to become a financial liability for someone. But when you're in the middle of a goal, you kind of you get stuck between a rock and a hard place. No, that's true. I didn't. Uh, I always forget that we're heading into the season of copays and deductibles mm-hmm. again. Um, and that sometimes comes as a surprise to folks after shelling out maybe more than they should have during the holiday season mm-hmm. and. Um, or unexpected costs this time of year as well that you didn't anticipate. And that's always, forget about that piece. I do like the idea um, that you mentioned that uh, many folks in recovery choose January to get 
into it mm -hmm. again or sort of start back into it again. Um, and we did a pod a couple of months ago all about recovery during the holiday season and mm -hmm. all of the unique challenges that come into uh, maintaining one's recovery during the holidays because there's a lot like you're with some of our biggest triggers are the people we love the most. And so you're seeing your family all the time. You're seeing the folks that might be tied to um, adverse childhood experiences that, you know, you're mostly okay with, but um, maybe not for a 12-hour marathon Christmas <laughs> Eve party um, or there, a lot of people increase their substance use. A lot of people without substance use disorders increase their substance mm -hmm. use around the holidays. Um, and so just like the season of indulgence uh, emerges this time of year. Um, and so many folks are looking for help right around the beginning of the year, and that's mm -hmm. when their deductibles are resetting. That's when... Um, many of our own, like our staff or maybe in job training, like we see our greatest amount of resignations in December and then a ton of new hires in mm -hmm. January. Um, so that's people getting used to the job and learning the job. And so you also have lack of access mm -hmm. this time of year. Um, and so I guess that long and winding road to say, how can folks begin the journey while they're still trying to figure out who their partners in that journey are going to be, while they're still trying to get grounded in treatment, if that's what they're choosing to do, while they're still trying um, to figure out how to pay their deductible, or maybe they have to come less frequently in the beginning mm -hmm. till that gets a little bit more manageable, or um, what are some solutions that people could lean into during a season where access becomes more limited? I always say EAPs out loud. Yeah, okay. Most jobs do not advertise EAP benefits. And a lot of mm. people have them and they don't use them. Um, and it could be six free sessions. It could be three free sessions. It could be four free sessions. But it's like being able to use some of those benefits are just a way to even get support for a short amount of time. Mm. Um, and, and that's something that I always tell people, like, just call i this is my like getting old thing is like i need to talk to somebody i don't want to do it online i don't want to go through <laughs> an automated system i want jerry to tell me and i want him to give me the reference number for this call and i want him to say <laughs> yes this is how much this person owes so when i call back and i say hey jerry told me that this is how much he had to pay what changed and and it gives a breakdown of insurance plans, but EAPs is is probably the thing that I preach to everybody, um, because it's a, it's an additional help to take away some of that financial burden. I think it's making a plan, and what you just said is a part of that. You know, when when troubles start to come, you know how to adjust instead of being surprised from mm -hmm. a temptation. No, I agree with that. I think there's also that. Um, plan for setbacks along the way as well. Like, um, it's great to achieve your goals when everything's going right. Mm -hmm. Like when it's not too cold to run outside. Like I, I love to run. I love to run outside though. Um, if I have to run on a treadmill. But, mm, see there, yeah. there, there we agree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, treadmill. I just don't, but get me out on a trail with my dog and like the, the sun on my face, love that. Um, don't always have the time to do it, but love it when I can find and make the time. Um, but now this time of year, my physical fitness goals always drop down mm -hmm. because now it's too cold to run outside or it's icy and rainy and mm -hmm. nobody likes to run in the rain. Um, 
And so planning for those failures and how you're going to overcome them. Yeah. And again, this is just for me and my own, my own style, but I've, I've had lots of different resolutions. Again, some, some I hit and some I don't, and I'm, I'm okay with that. But some, there's some that I'm dialed in that I'm going to do. And one was running outside. And I mean, you know, the story, I'd like run outside a mile, at least one mile every day. Mm -hmm. And it's not that much to do. It's a mile, at least for me, a mile. I love running. And so a mile is not that much, but you can always find 10, 12, 15 minutes to, to run a mile. So when I made it a goal, no matter what the weather is, no matter what was going on in life, I went outside and I did that for like the entire year. I did it for a little longer than a year, but just that accountability to myself. And that's how I sometimes see resolutions is it's an accountability to myself. Of, okay. I can make excuses about different things, but no, I'm, I'm going to do this. And again, I don't hit every area, but there are certain areas that just help me to focus, help me to hold myself accountable in how I'm structured. I think back to what you said earlier, you know, it really is about the why why you know i can't come up with goals for you or or other people or make it your why it has to i think the one the resolutions that we're going to be successful and connect most deeply to what's what our values are and what's important to us so i think that's what that's what excites me about about resolutions and and a lot of my role in my professional life is management so it's not like i can check the box that i did this did this did this oh i did 30 emails today okay that's not super or 300 emails yeah, that day well i should have done 300 that's yeah. what i'm saying so i only got the 30 because 300 came back so just some of that satisfaction of something that you can check off and say okay i accomplished on a tangible way at least for how i'm geared or wiring or my professional and, and personal life helps helps me to derive satisfaction from that yeah i think accountability you said it is a huge thing that's what came to my head because going into the whole all right i want to get mental health help they call in well we have a wait list because everybody wants to we don't have enough professionals because of turnaround so right away they're like well it's your fault then then i'm not getting mental health or mm. um you know the whole going outside but it's too cold you can put on sweatpants yeah. or there's the power of youtube there's workout videos because i'm a fitness person too so there's always it's almost like there's an excuse instead of okay well what can i do to change it where i'm getting some sort of outcome it's also what you're learning to, for, during the process it might not be the overall goal that you actually want but what are you learning in the process the discipline you're learning the um putting your I'm, I'm a fan of doing hard things and it's the process that to get me there um like i said you know the discipline the the mindset that if i push through this now my ceiling's higher i can do even more harder things and if i get through that ceiling you just get elevated so it might not just be the goal mm. it's the process that you're getting to that goal how do we help people do hard things though because that, I, I mean, I would say in, in my job, um, whether it, it's in my supervision, my training, my leadership, or my therapeutic work, my entire, uh, the entire function of my role in that is supporting someone in doing the really hard thing and supporting someone in tolerating the really hard thing. Like we work with a lot of early career clinicians and they come into contact with things that there is no, I, I had one of my supervisees yesterday tell me a story about, uh, uh, and I can't disclose it here because it's far too identifying, 
But I, at the middle of it, my heart rate, as somebody who's done this work for 20 years, had increased to the point that my giant golden doodle had woken up from his nap, recognized my distress, and came up and was hugging me in the middle of the in the middle of the Zoom supervision. He's like, "Does your dog know you need a hug?" I was like, "Yeah, I think he, I think Lou did. Lou sensed it." And he's like, "This m mom needs a hug," and he jumped right up. And I've done this for 20 years, and rarely does my heart rate hit that level anymore in therapeutic service because I've, I've seen some stuff over the years, right? I'm sure you did in your role of probation and parole. You did, you, we all have, right? Um, but how do we help people tolerate it without it breaking them? Because also our field is so burnout right now. Um, we need to find a way to marry those two truths. Well, I think the first thing that came to my head when you were talking was starting small. Mm. You have small ceilings, and then once you get past that one, then you then you get to go up the elevator. So, like, I'm assuming if you heard what you heard on day one of your career, I don't I don't know, but would that have destroyed you? Like, you've heard so many different things that you've sort of become numb. Yeah, you develop it, scar tissue. Scar, scar tissue. Your ceiling is elevated. You can hear maybe some more kind of crazy stuff. Um, I'm a fan of the ice barrel and sauna. I didn't, and I can do 30 minutes in the sauna. I'm struggling at the end, but I didn't start that way. I started five minutes, started the ice barrel, 30 seconds. So now my threshold is more just, just tolerance with alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, someone didn't start off drinking 30, 30 beers potentially, but they started small and sort of like, I mean, I'm not a counselor, but you would do the opposite, you know, but. Yeah. And I think it's important to know what hard means to somebody. Mm -hmm. um, I know I was in therapy and I'm like, talk to her, been working in this field since 2013. And I'm like, you know, I, I know life has challenges. And one of the reflections I got, my therapist was just like, that must be hard. And I was like, and I got super defensive. And I was like, no, it's not. Like, I, I do things like this all the time. Like, it's this is just a small thing. And I realized what was hard to me is only in comparison to the hardest things I've been through. Mm -hmm. So there is anything before the hardest thing I've been through is something that I have to overlook. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how to be uncomfortable. And when we talk about doing hard things, part of why we don't like them is because it's uncomfortable. And any level of discomfort, I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't for me or maybe I don't like it. And if it's really hard, then I'm like, okay, I have to conquer this because it's really hard. Mm -hmm. And it's figuring out what, what's hard for somebody. For me, um, we talk about exercising, like getting on the treadmill for 30 minutes or 15 minutes is not hard. I can also have the flip side of like, I'm not going all the way outside just for 30 minutes. And then I realized I just didn't work out today mm. because an hour was too long and 30 minutes was too short. And now I'm just on the couch, <laughs> you know, like in that and that's happened. So setting short term goals, like you said, of like, I want to just be able to check this off first, you know, and I want to be able to commit to going today and say, I worked 12 hours today, but it's only 15 minutes and I'm going to go do my 15 minutes, not Oh, I can't do a whole hour because I work 12 hours. And it's kind of like a perspective thing. Mm -hmm. There's a cool um, 
if you ever have a chance to check it out, I'd highly recommend it. I use it therapeutically a lot. Um, it's uh, a resource that comes out of UC Berkeley called okay. The Greater Good. Um, and they've got a ton of cool stuff, like good podcasts and all these resources and like little self-assessment. I love a self-assessment. <laughs> I just love a self-assessment. Um, but one of them is focused on your purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think we can do a whole lot if it's grounded in our why. Mm -hmm. And so like to your point earlier that if you're, if you have a more shallow, and I don't mean to like value judge somebody yeah. else's New Year's resolution, but it's like, well, I wanna look good in a bathing suit in June, so that's why mm -hmm. I'm setting this New Year's resolution versus I want to be able to dance, my kids are five and eight, I wanna be able to dance at my, my kid's wedding when they're older and like want to be healthy and around for it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that's a more why values congruent mm -hmm. um, New Year's resolution. But UC Berkeley has a really cool um, like module of different resources surrounding purpose and helping people identify what that purpose is and how they ground their work in it. And to your, your question, you, you said, had I heard that story on my very first day of the job versus 20 years after doing the job, would it have broken me? I, I think I got broken a lot early in therapy. Like I remember talking about um, to, to a group of family-based therapists and I was like, I cried in my car all the time. And they're like, wait, you cry in your, what's wrong? Like they all looked at me like I was insane. I was like, you don't cry in your car? What's wrong with you? Um, maybe you'd carry the job better if you cried more. Um, but I cry a lot. I mean, I cried a lot in my car afterwards because I would work with those with history of sexual offending behaviors and they'd tell me their story. And I was way too young to have the job I did, but I had it and I would get in my car and I would weep my whole drive home from Lancaster to Harrisburg. Like, how can this even be? And then I'd get in my car the next morning and I'd do it all over again. But it was like, I used my supervision, I used my consultation. Um, and it's not a part of my story and that it hit all the way home. Um, but it was something like, man, that hurts to come into contact with on the regular. Um, but it was tied to my purpose. So I kept getting in my car the next morning. Um, I wanted to be the best therapist I could be. And the way to do that was to work with the hardest population I could identify. And so it was my why it was grounded in my why, um, which let me keep doing it. But I don't know. I, went, I don't know. I went to training years ago and it stuck with me. To, it was connected to the family group decision-making, which is a process of bringing families together. And the trainer said, go home to your spouse or your significant other and just take about 10, 15 minutes, tell them everything that's wrong with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, you know, so you, know, you guys want to try this at home. And then, you know, if, if you're still alive after 15 minutes, tell them then the solution and the plan for how you're going <laughs> to fix all those things. And his point, I mean, it was funny and we're all laughing, but it was so salient in that that's what we do with treatment planning. And even with our own resolutions, if we're trying to, you know, force them either on ourselves or on others, we're not going to be successful. None of us like to be told you must do, do that. So I think 
again, I think the theme that we've been talking about is really what's important, what's truly important to you, what do you really value, and even to your point of how do you how do you help families? I can't tell a family what to do in a therapy or in my own personal family. That's not going to be super effective, but I can work with them and guide them. What's important to you? Help draw that out of them and help them to see, hey, what are what are the rewards? What's gonna what will what would it look like if you're able to achieve this? And if I can support you in achieving that. So in our work with with those in clients and our work with our own and our and our family and then our own personal work, I think looking at, okay, how do I how do I really connect to the things that I value, I'm more likely to be successful with. It's funny, um, I had a session with a long-term client the other day, and I've seen this gal, I think, probably three or four years now, quite some time. And when we started working together, she would always come to me and say, like, what should I do? And I would always say, well, what do you think you should do? And then she'd get kind of pissed at me. She's mm -hmm. like, that's why I'm fucking asking you. Tell me what I should do. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. What do you want to do? And, like, we would go back and forth like this for a really long time. And so fast forward, and, like, Every, like every session went that way. I'm surprised she kept seeing me. Um, but it went like that for a while. And then most recently she encountered like a pretty significant life crisis, like a change, a pretty big shakeup. And, but she's like doing great with it. And I'm like, well, what, like, tell me about that. Got real curious about it. And she's like, well, I knew I was going to see you today. And I knew the questions you were going to ask me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Tell me more. Am I that predictable? Um, and she's like, yeah, you were going to ask me, how did I make sense of this? You're going to ask me, how can I stay safe? You're going to ask me, how can I keep my kids safe and all of this? And like, truthfully, that's exactly what I was going to ask her. Awesome. <laughs> and she's like, and she's like, so I decided that I, cause she now has private insurance. She now has mm -hmm. deductibles to deal with. And she's like, so you know what? I asked myself all the questions that I knew you're going to ask me. And she's like, I'm pretty fucking resilient now. And I'm like, yeah, you are. Look at you. Go, girl. And like, so we just kind of mm -hmm. celebrated how she's integrated these thoughts. But I remember early in therapy really inhibiting. Because from where I sat, I knew exactly what she should do, right? right. 100%. Kim's 10-point plan to how to solve <laughs> your life. Um, but I stayed away from it. And I, I led with curiosity. And I led with, like, grounding in whatever was important to her. And that's what stuck. It wouldn't, I don't know that it would have stuck if I said, here's my manifesto on how to solve your life. Do these simple steps and you will be fine. Yeah. But it's so tempting to do it. It is. It's, and professionally, personally, as a, as a dad, you know, there's things my daughter's getting older. It's like, there's things you want to yeah. say and mm -hmm. things you shouldn't say. And you want to guide them in certain ways, but, but allowing them to, you know, form their path, some guardrails, but I think, yeah, trying to find that balance, it's that's it's hard. I'm yeah. starting to run into that as a parent. Have them learn on their own, yeah. My oldest, yeah, you just got to try to, if you actually, you set boundaries up. Yeah. By asking the same questions, and then she learned on her own, like, oh, this is just the assessment that I need to mm -hmm. do to myself, so. It's tough, though. It's tough. My five-year-old had his first fight with a friend last week he was like really upset about it like and obviously like for good reason right it was his first fight with a friend and of course initially i go into like uh, my eight-year-old's like just go back and do this this and this and i'm mm -hmm. like all right buddy let's go have a chat and so i take him away and i start asking him questions and he just was so sad about it and trying mm -hmm. to help him like figure out his next path um but you forget like 
all the little resiliencies you develop just through the course of living and figuring it out. <clears throat> the process, yeah. The process. The things that today we know how to do that we forgot how we got here. How do we help people make goals that are both structured and realistic? Because I would argue that's another beef that I have with um, most New Year's resolutions, that especially when I'm talking to clients about it or um, colleagues or supervisees or even in my own family, a lot of the goals are like, well, I'm going to like build a rocket and get straight to the moon. And it's like, man, well, like maybe could we look at the moon for a while? Could we start there? How do we help people identify goals that are realistic enough that they are sustainable and manageable and they don't kind of lead to that? Like, well, I like measurable goals. I, I think measurable goals allows you to identify what's too big and what's too small. So specifically in work, what I will ask clients is I would ask them the extremes. What's what's the thing if your life was perfect? We all know, like counseling one on one, what's your perfect life? And you ask them that and answer that. What's the worst thing? And then what's the thing you can do that's a little bit challenging, but you feel pretty confident about? And then they can kind of structure it and they can do it themselves. And I don't have to say you know, what if you do this 10 times? They can say, you know, they make the measurements because it's all subjective to our own lives. So so one thing for me is always finding a way to make it measurable and the confidence level to how tangible is it for you to accomplish this in time frame. Mm -hmm. Always giving yourself enough time to be successful because a lot of people come up short strictly because mentally they tell themselves they didn't do it fast enough. I like to use the metaphor of washing a car because I notice within family base, they always have a really big goal and it's a great goal to accomplish, but you're not going to go from this point to this point without anything in between. So I said, like, if you go to wash your car, what do you start with? You put water down. The last thing you do is dry it. What if you were to go dry it? You're not washing it. You're just wiping dirt around. So like try to help break it down into smaller things like, okay, what about identifying when you're about to do that thing? That's a goal mm. because you're not doing that now. You're just doing it. So that's the way I like to do it is the use of washing a car. I like setting um, unrealistic goals. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. See, now we can finally connect. Yeah. I, I like it because it, it pushes me. Um, and I mean, I mean, I'm not going to build a rocket. I think I know my limits. I think that's the thing. Maybe showing someone their limits. Okay. Yeah. You know, everyone has limits, you know? Yeah. Like, everyone has um, certain things that they're good at, they're bad at. I know my limits. Um, but I, I like setting really high goals that potentially I might fail. Mm -hmm. But I'm okay with that because my mindset, and this is just me repeating it, is because it's the process that gets me there. If I'm 1% better every single day that's gonna um that's gonna accumulate and i'm gonna see a lot more success if i just don't do anything so for me it drives me um but to get i think you have to have the right mindset potentially for that to build someone up to that i, I, I don't have that i i relate to that i love an unrealistic goal like a big audacious far-flung almost impossible goal because i love to kick its ass like mm. love it um and almost to the point where i can get um 
I don't know, like high, it's a high for me yeah. to like chase something that feels impossible and then lay on that plane. Um, the risk I run when I do that for me is how singularly focused I can get and how one-minded I can get where it's like, that's the thing mm. at all costs. And then sometimes I forget about other things that are important. Um, sometimes at the cost of like my kids or my husband, um, not proud to say that out loud, but I think it's the truth. There are times where either I put more time into the goal than is realistic, um, or I'm physically present at home, uh, but mm. like not, uh, but I'm there, but I'm not. Um, or uh, other, other things start to fall because I'm like chasing the dragon, so to speak. Um, and I mean, there have been times, I mean, in the last year, I've caught a couple of dragons, truthfully. There have been a couple things that I'm like, I'm going to get that thing by the end of this year, or I'm going to achieve that by the end of this year. And it wasn't maybe a New Year's resolution, mm -hmm. but it was like, uh, it is written and it will be done. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes at personal cost to certain relationships that I have um, or other bits and pieces. And I think at the end of the day, it's worked out. But the process certainly could have been cleaner along the way. And so that's something that I always just have to pay attention to within myself. Like, am I getting out of balance um, in my pursuit of the thing? And it's it's hard to say. I mean, luckily, I have a partner that's like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Do you want to show up here? Or he'll say, like, you look like you are you can't get up today. Like, you've, you've actually overdone it to mm -hmm. the point where – you're pretty exhausted. Um, and so luckily I have a partner that holds me accountable. Um, I have some colleagues and coworkers that'll check in on me, but usually it's like, mm, fuck you, don't bring that up. Um, I'm good. I'll tell you when I'm not good. Mm. Um, but my husband can do it. Um, but so I love the big, hairy, audacious goal. And um, I think there are some risks with them, or at least I've noticed it within myself that there are risks. Yeah, I mean, I think with all things, there's balance. I, I have, like, really audacious goals and some you know, moderate goals and some easy ones that oh, I feel good just to just to check off. But, yeah, there's, there's – and I don't reach all those goals, I think, it, but I've, I've come to a place where I'm okay if I don't. If I do, it's like, wow, awesome. And just, just the energy and the drive and, like, wow, that was a tough thing and I was able to make it. Some things aren't in my control, actually. Hardly anything is within my control if we're honest with ourselves in life. So not beating myself up when I when I didn't reach that goal. I said, or or when I set that goal, like that was important to me in the November January time. But boy, life hit me in this area, or work hit me in this area, different things. So I needed to adapt and adjust, and and that that helps me helps me with that. One of the things I've done in the last couple of years is adding, and it's not a, a, a Tim idea, others have done it, but just adding a theme to the year. And that's been helpful for me. Like there's some very specific things, uh, but just having an overall theme. So, you know, one year it was um, restoration, just some some areas in, in relationships in, in my life that I wanted to work on and restoring. And, you know, throughout the year, I would just kind of, that word would come to me and just kind of kind of think about that Last year it was discipline and just getting more discipline in certain areas with that. And for me this year it's presence. 
the part of me that's type A driven, always got a got a measurable, all those different things. It doesn't always have to be there. You know, I love being with with Coral's group in York and just just being with and Kim was there as well. Just being there with the group and hearing from them and not just about me doing or different things and sitting in with some other other people. So, you know, that's that's not a measurable one. I have lots of measurable ones, but that's one that just I want to kind of connect to throughout the year and see see how life hits me in that area. Am I being present at home? Am I being present in my spiritual areas that I'm involved with in church and in, in work? Or am I just, you know, going going so driven that I miss the moment that we're in? So specific stuff, big time, big things, but also I think it's okay to have aspirational. It's to me, similar to, to with the work that we do with clients is meeting people where they're at, meeting yourself where you're at, what 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 is going to motivate you? What's not? What's not going to bring you down or yeah, cause you harm? And I think there has to be a foundation to when you have big goals. Like I, I, I think big goals are nice, but if I'm not prepared to take on whatever this thing is, then it's it's not going to ever be successful. I think about. I'm surprised it took me this long to bring up football, but um. <laughs> When I think about football, you think at the beginning of the season and how many people get soft tissue injuries because you go from, and I'm not a scientist, of course, but you go from not playing at full speed to automatically playing at full speed. Mm. And it's like you're still a peak athlete, but your body is not by the end of the year. You see everybody hurt, Mm. but also they are not out of games you know they are playing hurt they're playing injured their body is like we've been doing this for a little bit and i'm ready and that's what i think of like setting that foundation so it's like now i am ready to go try to do this big thing and i feel prepared versus i'm going to get off the couch today and i'm going to run a 10k it's like i'm not doing that or i can do that but i'm probably going to not make it and it's just like having that prep time to take on some of the big things and knowing when to rest. I like that concept of knowing when to rest. Um, Because I think oftentimes we think about, uh, I I saw, I think it was an internet meme the other day. Um, But the question it posed was, instead of asking yourself if you've worked enough to rest, ask yourself if you've rested enough to work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so often I get stuck on the other side of the line. And and I've always been this way. Mm -hmm. Like I remember in grad school, like, I'm not resting until this thing is done. And at the time, uh, my husband, who was probably my fiance or boyfriend at the time, would be like, do you think maybe like 20 minutes? Or And he couldn't say it back then. Back then I was like, I will tell you when I need a break. And it is never. Um, and, um, and I probably would have been more effective and efficient and gotten it done sooner in better quality mm-hmm. if I would have just taken the break. Um, but so often it's like, I won't rest until, mm-hmm. um, instead of saying like, I won't work until I'm rested. Yeah. And I think we get stuck in that period, like maybe shifting that paradigm a little bit mm-hmm. will allow us to get a bigger bang for our buck when it comes yeah. to our energy, maybe. Utilizing your time well. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just more of it, rested so you can focus it, Yeah, focus it better. I was always, excuse me, a night person until, like, I turned 32. Whenever I turned 30, I'm 33, okay? When I turned 32, (laughs) it went away, and that was my superpower. 
Mm. I could thrive. All I needed was four hours. If I could get four hours, I could do anything. And last year, I got like six hours of sleep and I woke up and I'm like, why is nothing working? <laughs> and I was not a coffee person. I was not an energy drink person. I would just need, if I could get out of bed, I would wake up. I didn't like that was what it is. The hard part was getting out of bed. But if I could get up, I, I would be up and I could be up all day. So I used to like maximize working all the time, you know, especially through grad school and internship. And, you know, you're working 16 hours a day. Um, and then I hit a wall and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I had to shift. And now I have to value sleep. But when I get stressed, I don't care about sleeping or eating. Those are the first two things that I'm like, I'm going to accomplish this goal and then I'll go do these things. And those things seem like they take up so much more time. But if we would just stop, it would be so much easier to accomplish some of those goals. But I know for me, it wasn't a necessity to not sacrifice those things until I was like, oh, I actually can't focus today or I'm getting a headache from not sleeping or not eating. And I'm like, oh, this is the consequences of sleeping for four hours mm. and I'm like telling my girlfriend and my friend and they're like oh did you sleep and I'm like that that's not it like it has <laughs> to be something else and then like the next conversation we're having I'm like half sleep on the couch and I'm like maybe it was it <laughs> maybe that was it well, I think that circles back to I know you asked a question about how we can help others like with their goals yeah um because hearing that from I'm the same way but and there's always somebody telling me you know food fuels your body sleep fuels your body and i'm like fuck that like no it's, no it's not like yeah it does and i know that mm -hmm. so it's always sometimes having so does monster that, energy drink so yeah so mine's ghost energy <laughs> um but that that support system i think to kind of get you on track because i am yeah. somebody i have very high expectations on myself and sometimes even in this job like working with a team when i have a partner that's like not doing what i'm doing i'm like i don't understand why they can't why i can't get mm -hmm. that but but then I actually use my partner's superpowers to help me slow down and realize, okay, I'm being a psycho right now. Like, mm -hmm. this is ridiculous. Like, I need to slow down before I burn out. Mm -hmm. So, And I think that evokes in me, like, this concept of, like, do you have the tools you need to do the task at hand? And sometimes the tools are tangible things. Like, if your New Year's resolution is to run a marathon, mm -hmm. like, you need sneakers and you need to run a little bit right, along the way <laughs> should have a training plan should probably and have some sort of plan follow the plan <laughs> but are you also doing like the insulary like are you getting enough rest at night are you um nourishing your body correctly because i don't not eat when i'm stressed but i won't eat vegetables or fruit or anything that my body actually needs yeah. like when i get really stressed i go to the quick dopamine hits mm -hmm. so i go to the coffee and the junk food and the sweet and the salty and usually i like to alternate <laughs> um, but never am I like, you know what? I'm really stressed out. I'm going to have a spinach salad. Um, no, never. It's like, I'm really stressed out and I could eat a whole cheesecake for lunch yeah. and let's see how that goes. Um, and so I think that that's the other challenge is like, are you doing those basic, like bottom of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Mm -hmm. Are you meeting those things before you pursue those higher order goals? Um, and I think there's value in that or checking in with yourself with that. Are we changing your mind? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I still, so my alternative to New Year's resolutions, um, I don't do resolution or like I said, I do a resolution that's easy. I can do it in an hour. I usually knock it out by January 2nd. 
chef's kiss, it's over. Um, and I've done what all y'all do, but I don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> um, I do a values bucket list every year. So it's not a resolution, um, but I identify like my most important domains in my life and then identify um, like three to five very specific, very measurable, very actionable things within each of those domains. Spoiler alert. Sounds like a resolution. That I want to do <laughs> throughout the year, but it's a checklist. Uh, I whispered that. Hopefully no one heard It that, was so. a checklist. <laughs> um, and I usually hit most of the things on my checklist, but it's not like one big overarching goal. It's more design because if I do a big overarching goal, I get out of balance. I just do. I become obsessive. I become one-minded and I will do everything to achieve X because I'm very like outcomes driven and I fail to attend to like the fact that my kids have a Christmas play and I just scheduled over it by accident or whatever it is. I haven't done that yet, but give me time. Um, and I've found that those like little things along the way keep me more congruent. A and they are, they're truly little things like take off a day in the middle of the week and go with, I think one of them this year was like take off a day in the middle of the week and go with my kids to a museum. And I didn't just do that once. I think I did that two or three times over the course of the last year. Um, but that's something I love. It's something they love. It's very consistent with my value as a parent. It's also very consistent with my value of being, um, boundaried with my work in a way that works for me um, because I can't just clock out at the end of the day all the time. I just can't. I've got too many people that depend on me to do that. Um, and I've got too many personal goals that are important to me to do that. But that also means there's going to be days where I say, I'm not working today. I'm going to be with my kids today because I worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 30 hours over the weekend. So I'm taking off Monday and I'm going to go to the science museum or whatever it is. Um, but it's not like a big goal. It's mm -hmm. like a billion little ones consistent with my values. It's a lifestyle. It's a li I, I try to make it a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, that's one positive thing I will say about resolutions. So I'm somebody, I do them in like the springtime. Like I set goals for myself and like big goals uh, just because of seasonal affective disorder. Like the sun's not out as much during this time. It's less motivation. But one thing about resolutions is if you do start them, and like you said, you did it more than once. So then it becomes like instant gratification, which then becomes habits, which then you incorporate into your life all year. So there are positives I see with it. I'm just not a at the beginning of a year person. I'm more of, okay, I'm still doing this, even though I started in May. I think so. humans just like to label something. Yeah. <laughs> Resolution. Yeah. We're starting, you know. Yeah. Or, yeah. A revel what I say? A revolution. Yeah, a resolution, a resolution could lead to a revolution. I, I, say I am with you. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> but no, like we just like to label something. It's the start of a new year. Um, sounds like you like resolution. She likes goals. She likes, she likes lists. Goals. I think we're all on the same page. It has to be a lifestyle. Um, it does have to have boundaries to it. You have to have consistency, mm -hmm. and it's the process that gets you to where you want to go. To, to me, it's about learning and growing. And I mean, we're having fun here, but whatever. I mean, that yeah. we we all want to, for ourselves, and I think see others, you want to grow, you want to develop, you want to get better. You see that for yourself, for those that you love, those that you work with, and however you label it, you know, it's it's about that process. And what's going to work for me is not going to mm -hmm. work for Coral, it's not going to work for, for you or others. You know, you're really identifying what's 
what's important to you, what's going to work for you. And I think for me, then my way doesn't have to be every every other person's way. And in fact, it's going to be very unsuccessful and people are going to be unhappy if I try to push my way onto other people. But what works for me to really lean into that, whatever we call it, resolutions, goals, ideals, values. I love, yeah. I love that. I like, um, I don't know, I, I'm sure some of you have read it, but the book Atomic Habits, when it comes to goal setting, um, and then, and uh, I used to use Atomic Habits a lot, actually, at the DRC when I would run groups there, um, because so often uh, folks have goals, but they don't make it a part of their lifestyle. And so you like hit it while it's intentional, but it fades away over time. Um, and one of the things I love about Atomic Habits is first, you just look at how you spend your time just in a day, write down all the ways in which you spent your time that day, and then start looking at all the ways in which the way you spent your time isn't really how you wish you would have spent your time. Because I think we also unintentionally, really passively fall into bad habits and without really looking at how we spent our time in those moments, we lose sight of some opportunity. Because one of the big barriers to getting your goals done is I don't have time. But like you said, you can almost always find 15 minutes to run a mile. Like mm -hmm. almost always. Mm -hmm. Even those of us who have the busiest lifestyles imaginable, you could probably find 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And YouTube videos, you could probably do like a YouTube workout at some point throughout your day. But so often I live with the illusion like, well, I can't work out every day because like, when's the time? It's like, oh, the time is when you were like laughing at cat videos on the internet. <laughs> like that could have been your time. Cause you can actually like laugh at cat videos while on a stationary bike <laughs> as it turns out. So go do that instead. <laughs> Um, but we don't, Atomic Habits is a great book for anybody who's looking at New Year's resolutions. A it's a good one. It's good. It's a good listen too. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not one that you have to like read, read, um, if you get it on Audible or Libby or something, it's, it's a good one. Yeah. That even talking about structuring your environment, I think they looked at some studies of people when they drink the hospital wanted people to drink more water and they had soda and different things where they place the water bottles and put less soda and how they move things and imagine that people people mm -hmm. drink more water i know for me like i keep an extra set of running clothes in the trunk of my car so i may not have time to run that day but if i do i have to have my clothes you know there's plan times where we're going to do it but then just having that availability and i think the book talked about in, in regards to fitness setting stuff outside you know ready laying out your clothes for the morning and different things just because you're already preparing yourself oh they're already there i might as well we'll do it so even structuring some of our environments to support that I think that's a good, good idea. Move into some of the questions that we had submitted for the podcast here today. And as usual, we are always accepting um, questions for the pod. You can email them to me at Kim at howtobehappyhour.com. Um, and so one of the questions that we got here today is how do we pace and balance motivation and rest when pursuing big overarching goals? I think it's understanding that motivation is not the reason why you create a lifestyle mm. and i think it's often people it's fun to do something when you're motivated yeah. but the self-discipline is the part that actually creates the lifestyle and um i can't remember who mentioned it earlier but the the rest and things are part of the self-discipline you know like if you're going to run a marathon and and when i've talked to people who like are actually runners they're paying attention to like not only what they eat, but when they eat 
and what they eat when they eat. So, you know, like I, I did a Tough Mudder and my one friend that's a runner, she was like, you should probably eat rice the night before. And I like had this whole like Chinese food where I'm like, so I shouldn't eat this Chinese food here. <laughs> and she was like, no, it gives you more energy for when you're going to go do this. And I was like, oh, I never knew that. I just thought I needed to exercise, not eat crazy and I'll be good. Um, so I think finding that balance and really understanding the value of rest is important to being more productive, which I think was mentioned earlier. And it's not just like I rest because I'm tired. I rest to maintain and, and changing the definition of what rest means. I think just knowing that resting is not failing because even people that are into fitness, like I only weight lift three to four times a week because if I did it every day, I'm not getting benefits towards the end. I'm just wearing my body down. So even even though physical types of goals that you have, like you still need your rest days. I think sometimes motivation can be different. Like I think I think motivation can only get you so far. Um, because there's going to be days where you don't want to do anything. Yep. But it's getting over those hurdles when you don't want to do something that will launch you into further excess, I think, I, I believe. Mm. Um, so having a rest day can be part of your plan to accomplish your goal. Mm. One of the other questions that we had submitted here today is um, the idea of like, what is the purpose for a New Year's resolution or what is the deeper function or what is your motivation for a New Year's resolution and how can we use that to better structure these resolutions and goals uh, to be more effective. I think we spoke to that one a little bit. I think in, in my own life, I need, I really struggle to tie physical health goals to a deeper motivation above and beyond like losing weight or just feeling better. Um, I did uh, last year signed up for a half marathon uh, in honor of my brother who passed away in 2020. And that I will say is probably the most I've ever stuck with any plan ever when it came to an exercise goal because I tied it to something really important to me. Um, and that, and, and I did that very intentionally. I was like, if I don't do it for this reason, I'm not going to do it. Um, and so I'd never run a half marathon before. I did successfully survive my half marathon experience in, in November. Um, not sure I'm going to do it again, uh, but did it once. Um, but I think that was one way in which I said, this is something that's important to me. I want to honor my brother in this way. And I'm going to also honor him by taking better care of me. Um, so like tied those two things uh, together in that. But oftentimes, um, like for physical health goals or those sorts of things, I really struggle to tie it to that deeper, more meaningful purpose. I can tell you the right thing. Like I know what I should say, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I really do want to be able to fit into those jeans again. Um, or back to my pre baby weight, which is never coming back. Like I've actually gotten rid of those jeans, but like that, that sort of mod, like I can say it's for this, but it's almost always for that. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think connecting it, I mean, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong of wanting to look better, feel better. Those are, I think those yeah. are good things, but yeah, connecting it to a, a deeper part. And I, I mean, I have the same, you know, shallow or, you know, not as deep uh, 
goals of how you want to look and different things. But yes, connecting. You talk about walking, being able to walk your daughter down the aisle, or you know, those are things. Or there's lots of different books out there of what do I want to be like when I'm 60 or 70? Do I want to be, you know, hobbling? Do I want to have you know, with grandkids? Do I want to be able to be active and different things like that? So yeah, I think connecting it to a deeper purpose is is likely going to increase that success versus some of the other things that aren't necessarily wrong, but it's easier to give into, you know, hey, I'm not going to fit my jeans or whatever it happens to be versus, hey, I want to be there for my family. Mm -hmm. That helps me to stay more focused on it. I think one thing we didn't expand on that kind of like went away is this ice barrel that you just threw out there. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I would ever find the motivation to jump in the ice barrel. Good, man. Yeah, <laughs> I see it everywhere, but I'm like, I could not see me doing the it. The dopamine hit. Where do you Yeah, do that's it? what I hear. That's the that bathtub. Was you uh, have an yeah. you just do it in your bath cuz I'll do the well, cold shower. Like it just the a, cold, well, my bathtub's not big enough for me, but I do the best I can. Yeah. The okay. cold shower is cold tied shower. like pretty significantly to mental health benefits. Yeah, um, it's the same concept. 30 seconds in a cold shower. Yeah, it's sort of the same concept. Okay. I think sh cold showers are harder because you know, you're moving around, the water's hitting you, you get and, out. and you can't get really used to it, but Yeah. Um, but no, it's you. You create thresholds mm -hmm. for yourself with anything, and you accomplish it. Like your first threshold could be filling up the tub, and then you know. Then, I mean, I'm not a scientist. I don't know, <laughs> but you know that the dopamine's released. You know, the next is ten seconds. You know, whatever your threshold is in, in life, accomplish that, and then that's your new low. So. So, Corey, I hear you saying that's on your goal list. You are going to do an ice barrel right. every single day. Well, they're plunged. <laughs> I see them all, not in the Susquehanna. <laughs> they have one coming up right, in a couple weeks or next week. Yeah, I'm Polar sure. plunges yeah, and usually, a lot. Humane yeah. Society, I saw, was doing one. Yeah, and I think that's an example of what's important to you. What <laughs> I would, not important. I would, <laughs> I would never, ever put that on my list. Yeah. Never. Mm. I'm always intrigued by it, though. Like just seeing people do it. Like I, like I can. I'm like, if I see something and I don't like it, then I'm impressed by that person that's doing it because I'm like, I, I couldn't. I'll I'll say my wife thought I was crazy. Now, <laughs> now I got her doing it. Yeah. So if I can get her to do it, I think anyone. Can do it. <laughs> We're not ending this with us going to an ice barrel, are we? That's actually, I'm out. It's already the ice barrels out there. Jeff told me about it. Um, yeah. You didn't bring your swimsuit? I, um, I think the last question that was submitted for the pod that I, I'd like to just hover on for a moment is what role does social support play in maintaining resolutions um, and making a part of your lifestyle? I think we've like lightly glossed over it at different points in time. But very specifically, do we find accountability partners in our resolution? Do we keep it a secret and not tell them? I don't know. Uh, how do we draw on our social support to make it a success? I think community's huge. Like, mm. I think it plays a big part in a lot of stuff. Like, we're so, our society wants us to be individual, but when you have a group of people doing the same thing, hopefully it's for the good, then you see a lot more success and momentum for for that success um so if we if we have the same goal you're like you said accountability partner hey are we going doing this today mm -hmm. oh, i don't feel good oh, let's just start walking at first mm -hmm. and, and then you know so if you have someone to lean on i think it can make or break you mm -hmm. yeah i usually uh make those 
that I'm connected to either personally, professionally aware of the goals so that they know, cause it's important to me and, and I appreciate that accountability, but I have a group of, uh, like for my good friends and we're kind of wired the same way. So it really works. Like they geek out on news, new year resolutions, just like I do <laughs> our goals and we'll share them in the, and we actually do review them. So like, I know that core group really is going to be interested, excited, is going to motivate me. Other people I want them to be aware of because it's important to me and they're important to me, but I, I count on that group to really have that accountability and challenge and, and support as well. So I think probably varies. I couldn't do it alone. I mean, I just, I mean, I, I believe that for all things, trying to do something solely alone, you're, you're less likely to have success. So whether through the support of a therapist or your, your uh, church supports or your family supports, community supports, yeah, it's important to find the supports that are going to support you in the area you're looking to develop in. You're also writing a contract with someone. Because mm. uh, if I tell you I'm going to do something and four months later – you ask me about it, and I'm like, oh, I didn't do that, yeah. <laughs> you know. Or it's, oh yeah. man, Kim's gonna ask me about this. Mm-hmm. I should at least make an effort. Yeah. 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 In this group, it's more of a fitness group, and I mean, I, I enjoy running and different things. These guys are way beyond me in running, like hundred milers and crazy, crazy things. But every single day, each of us will text when we did a workout. And just and yeah, it, yeah, just kind of like, okay, I see you. All right, better get my butt off the couch and <laughs> off the scrolling and actually do something. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's just a, but that wouldn't work with my family, right? And that wouldn't work yeah. with some of my coworkers, but it does work for that group and it works for me. So it's a, it's a good way of, of holding each other accountable and helping us to get to the goal that we want to. I got a hundred miles signed up in March. So Ooh. that's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And I think it, it should be people you know. Mm-hmm. I think if you depend on social media, you don't know what's real. You don't know what's tangible. Um, and it's easy to get so lost in where other people are and everybody's putting their best best foot forward. Whereas with personal people, you have those days like you were talking about where it's like, I don't want to do it today. And you have that other person that can tell you to do it, not somebody that's like, well, I did it today and look how good I'm doing and look at all these things. Like just having somebody that's that's a real person in your life. So our last call for today is this notion of perfectionism in New Year's resolutions and this idea that um, if I don't hit X, Y, and Z goal on this specific timeline, I might as well just throw it out and start again next January 1st. Um, and so what do you all have to say about this option of progress over perfection um, in terms of driving us forward in our New Year's resolutions? I mean, I think you said it really well, progress over perfection. And that that really is what it's about. I think, and at least for myself, there is, I have, I have a good enough part to me, and I also have this perfectionist part of me, which drives my, uh, those around me probably crazy, like, is this, which categories does this fall into? But and I shared this with some other people, but I, you know, I, I had my goals and resolutions and just life hits you hard, work hits you hard in different things. And I was kind of, kind of down and that's not my usual disposition. And one of my supervisors was talking like, wow, you've had a good year. You, you got this, this got accomplished, this got accomplished. And they were all things that were on my goal list. I was like, oh, you're, you're right. You know, now I didn't, did I hit every one of them? No, but the things she talked about were really huge deals, things you and I came and worked on and for years and it was just it was good to be reminded, even though I had it written down, that 
hey, I didn't hit all of them, but there was some really things that, you know, to take pride in, not in a, in a negative way, but in, in a positive way. So I think that that progress piece really allows you to continue to move forward. Because if I went with, well, I didn't have all of them, well, then I suck, which is yeah. my usual mind frame. Yeah. You know, that's that's not, not first helpful. First Right, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I think you can ask yourself, what's the alternative? You mm. know, when you don't hit a goal and that goal was set in March, the alternative doesn't have to be, I'm just not going to do anything now. You know, resetting that goal again mm. can be very helpful to not say, if I don't get this, then I stop doing everything. So really reminding yourself when you don't hit that goal is like when I'm moving forward, now what? You know, where do I go from here? It it and if I could think about it, it, the logic doesn't say I just stop everything. It says I can reset it. I you know, this failure is not a failure on my life. It's just I didn't meet this goal completely. Um and finding ways to to maintain momentum. I mean, yeah, like when a farmer plants a seed, not all the seeds grow. And so if you mm -hmm. stopped, if you stopped planting, mm -hmm. you're not going to have any fruit, fruit mm -hmm. to bear, you know? So if yeah. you stop and you don't hit, your, if you stop in, at March when you don't hit your goal, then you're never going to hit it. Mm -hmm. But if you readjust, what did I learn? You'll, what did I learn from my failure? Readjust. Okay. Maybe June I'll get it. Mm -hmm. But it's that process. I want to thank y'all for coming together and discussing this, um, like, essential topic, uh, because I think we're, what, looking down the barrel of New Year's resolutions mm -hmm. next week. Um, also, thank you to our listeners. We have a couple upcoming pods, um, and golly, my mind just completely blanked on what they are. I know for one, for sure one is on porn. Um, does anyone remember the other topic that we've got coming up in January? Shoot. I should remember because I need to prepare for it. Um, next pod that we're also recording uh, is all about, it'll be tomorrow. We're actually coming back to the studio to record on uh, Christmas movies, friend or foe, spoiler alert, Die Hard is the best movie ever for Christmas and everyone else sucks. <laughs> um, so that will be tomorrow's pod. And, and then uh, we've got one coming up specifically on pornography, um, use, addiction, challenges and barriers when it comes to our kids and adolescents and all kinds of different things. Um, and we've got some other topic. Oh, one about uh, mental health and fantasy, um, specifically like fantasy books and stories and how that um, mental health themes that emerge throughout them. And golly, there's one more, but I've totally blanked on it. So polar bear uh, plunges. I polar bear plunges. Yes, that. we're all going to go do a polar bear plunge and uh, report back. It improves memory, does it? See? Maybe. <laughs> it's tied to mental health outcomes. All right, there we go. Cold water. Yeah. Um, is one of the best ways to activate your parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. So I guess we can, we'll leave you with that. We can all take separate cars and I'll meet y'all there. <laughs> that would be, that would be a motivator. The ice barrel would be a motivator for me to accomplish the goal if I didn't have to do that. Ooh, See? that could be yeah. your consequence yeah, exactly. for not accomplishing your goal. Negative reinforcement. That would be, a, that'd be effective, time. yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, well, thank y'all. Um, this thank was you. the How to Be Happy Hour. Thanks. Thank you. Thank y'all.